I remember Macy telling me about you when we were at dinner when you were still in Iowa City and <laughs> okay I yeah. think I, I think I remember a similar situation hearing about yeah. you yeah yeah I'm gonna say this in my like little introduction for Jamie but yeah she would always sneak me away from the NICU like once a month uh-huh. and yeah. like the only oh. friend I would see for months on end so yeah oh Ugh. that was so fun We are two real mamas who wouldn't have survived the NICU journey if it weren't for coffee, White Claws, and each other. We invite you to join us as we share our experiences about two micropremies who took different paths through the NICU. We'll share our stories in hopes to inspire and educate parents, grandparents, and friends. I'm Macy Petting, along with Taylor Matson, and this is the Real Mamas of the NICU podcast. Thank you so much for agreeing to talk to us. I've been wanting to bring you on the podcast for a really long time, um, but I just wanted you to be able to kind of reflect on everything that's happened in you and Miles' story. And so, um, but thank you so much for coming. Yeah. No, I'm really glad to. It's so fun to get to talk to you and I'll just give a brief introduction to you and then I'll let you introduce yourself but like how I know you I met Jamie I think it was like 10 years ago probably by now and we met at the CrossFit gym believe it or not Uh, Jamie and I were CrossFitters at one time (laughs) hardcore at one point (laughs) pretty hardcore mostly you but I got into it there for a hot second and David as well so um, so yeah, we had just moved to Ankeny. We joined a gym. And uh, for me, I was like, I don't really want to meet anybody at a gym. I want to go in and get my workout done and get out. And then um, you get into this culture and you meet all these people. And it was like our best time that we had prior to kids and just being able to go to the gym every day and, and hang out with our friends. And it's crazy. I still have a lot of friends from that initial gym. And um, so I'm super grateful for it, even though that was a long time ago. (laughs) Totally agree. Yeah. So we met there and then um, just kind of stayed in contact as being friends. We went to lots of Cyclone games and (laughs) Jamie's a big Cyclone fan. Yes. Her husband is not. So um, (laughs) so they kind of weighs their house out a little bit, but. Um, I was actually neighbors with Jamie's brother for 10 years, and we just moved out of that neighborhood. But it was so nice because anytime she was over at her brother, she could sneak away to see us as well. So it's just been really oh. nice to be, you know, friends with you for the last decade. Um, and then when I went into the NICU, well, I guess I should say you moved towards Iowa City. And when I went to the NICU, uh, you would pull me away from the NICU once a month just to go eat dinner, hang out. Um, bring me the sweetest gifts. I don't know if Taylor, if you've seen it, but I have a bracelet with Noah Blakely and Harper's name on it. Um, Jamie gifted that to me and just was such a great support and great support system I had while being there. And I just, I don't know if uh, I could have, you know, thank you enough for all that you did for me and my family during that time. Um, but yeah, so that's how I know her and Taylor just knows her through me. Yeah, we just met officially. <laughs> yes, which is great because I do feel like I know you, but yeah. oh, that's a lot about each other. Yes. <laughs> yes. 
I remember Macy when you said, "Yeah, she reminds me so much of you." Oh, even you know what? I did say that. <laughs> really? Yes, I yes. never this. So what? What makes you think us of each other? I guess because um, you guys are both so outgoing and so good at talking to people and making friends and um that I mean that's mostly it. But just yeah, kind of your personalities are just very similar. But I remember saying that too. I kind of forgot about it, but yes. Oh. I think I remember it also. Weird. It's like a full circle moment. It really is. Great. We're interviewing you. Yes. <laughs> well, and funny thing too, Macy, it's like you were a complete gift to me to be out here when you had Noah, because I still feel like I hardly had any friends in Eastern Iowa. So <laughs> while it may have been good for you, it was actually so great for me to get to see a friend again too. So yeah, that yeah. was, that was awesome. Aww, I love that. Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Real Moms of the NICU podcast. Don't forget to follow us on all of our social media platforms. It's the Real Mamas of the NICU on Instagram and search for the Real Mamas of the NICU podcast on Facebook. Jamie Bell, I grew up um, in central Iowa, as Macy alluded to. So great reason why I'm a Cyclone fan, Um, but moved out to eastern Iowa when I got married um, to my husband, Michael. And we have been married uh, five and a half years at this point, and we have three children. So my daughter, Brooklyn, is four and a half. My son, Bo, who I was pregnant with when Macy and I were doing dinner when Noah was in the NICU, is two and a half. And then my son, Miles, who we'll talk about him today, is uh, 15 months tomorrow. So he's just over one, and it's crazy um, to think back. But yeah, my uh, mom of three kids and I work full time, um, which is hard when you've got medical stuff with the kid, as you both know very well. But um, I work for uh, Iowa Donor Network. I will add nothing I'm saying here is the voice of my employer. (laughs) I feel like I'm supposed to make some type of comment about anything I say publicly, but I work for Iowa Donor Network. Um, Next week, it'll be 11 years that I've worked for them. So my background is in healthcare. I went to school for nursing, went to Iowa State for kinesiology and health. So I've always worked in healthcare, fitness, et cetera, type of job, but worked at Iowa Donor Network in uh, various roles um, for the last. 10 and almost 11 years. So yeah. Very cool. Okay. Well, I think this like brings us to your story. Um, so I remember waking up to a text message (laughs) that said, Macy, I think we're going to have to have a similar, um, I don't remember what you said, experience or similar outcome to yours. We had our 20-week scan and oh, by the way, I'm pregnant because I didn't know you were pregnant at the time. (laughs) Um, and I just remember my heart dropping. Like I, I was so sad. I, I remember crying on the way to work and I was like, how can someone who was so incredible to me during a time that's so similar have that happen to them? And like, what are the odds of it? And I just remember like just being so overcome with emotion and I could not believe that that was happening to you. But at the same time, like, glad that I could connect with you and connect you with people who might have a similar path as you. And so tell me about like how that all came, what you were feeling in the moment and um, like ultimately like what decisions had to be made. 
Yeah, no, that uh, really weird because just bringing that up just brought such a pit to my stomach because it just takes you back to the reality of when all of that just takes place. And we we didn't, we weren't super, um, we weren't hiding that we were pregnant with a third, but I was really just focusing on trying to tell everyone in person. So here I got to 20 weeks and I still hadn't told friends even like you. So yeah, I do remember sending you that text and saying, I know our stories will be different, but definitely Mm -hmm. going to have a lot of similarities. So um, yeah, it was, I remember everything. I remember um, July 20th, we went into our regular OB office for ultrasound and we were debating if we were going to find out gender on this baby because um, we had a boy and a girl. So just kind of thought, do we make it a surprise or not? We decided that we are going to do it a little differently and just have them tell us like right there in the office versus just opening it up privately later. If we were having a boy or a girl found out we were having a boy in the ultrasound. I mean, this was my third one at this point. It didn't seem like anything was off. Anything was different. I felt like the tech just kept talking to us in the same, you know, same way or I mean, I don't really know exactly what I'm seeing on an ultrasound. So maybe she was skipping over things, but it just seemed very normal Um, and I remember we had some friends in town actually who were pregnant at the same time too, as we walked out of the ultrasound, they were in the office and, um, they, they knew it was our ultrasound and it's like, yeah, it's a boy. We've, we found out it's a boy. We'll, we'll tell you first. Don't tell our families that we told you (laughs) first. Um, but just so normal, so exciting. And then I remember going into the office and, you just are never prepared to hear anything but healthy with your kid, right? I think no matter what, no matter what situation you're in, that's just all you think about or hope for, even though you say you just want a healthy kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just remember her walking in and saying um, spina bifida. And it's like, that's a term I'd heard of before, but I it was still definitely something I needed to go to Google to really figure out. But I think you just we just knew right then and there, like it wasn't okay, but I think she was trying to make it okay for us and she kind of immediately spinned it towards, you know, a lot of these times these kids you don't even know, they may walk, but we're gonna get you into a high risk doctor. So I don't know if it's that you just cut things out and you don't fully hear, but I feel like I left that appointment um, very, you know, sad, of course, but also like we, we're going to go to the high risk doctor when they call us and they're going to tell us that was wrong. We've got better imaging now. You know, it's not spina bifida. So mm-hmm. the next day we were referred to uh, the University of Iowa, got into their MFM or maternal fetal medicine docs and, um, you know, things there you've got students and I just all night I guess prior to that it's like we just asked good friends and family you know please like pray for what we're gonna have tomorrow like they've mentioned spina bifida but we hope that's not the case um you know we think well we think they just need better imaging to show that it's not is kind of what my thought process was at the time so I just knew right away in the middle of the really lengthy ultrasounds at the University of Iowa with the MFMs down there that this was not going to be okay. And, you know, they you can tell the tech is pointing to 
things on the screen. Um, Measuring things. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And as I've done, you know, all the Google rabbit holes and searching too the night before about spina bifida stuff. Um, So yeah, they did the ultrasound. How long was the time between that first ultrasound to the high, to to the, um, the high risk ultrasound? Just the very next day. So we had our, I mean, 24 hours of of wait time but um you know at the university they've done their scans then they go out they're going to talk to the team and then gosh how many people came in the room I mean mm-hmm. six seven eight nine ten maybe as mm-hmm. the doctor sits down and you might it was Dr. Hunter I don't know mm-hmm. if you guys had him or experienced yeah. him with MFM but I think he was just the perfect person to tell us at that point I just remember he like sat down put his hand kind of on my knee and was just like, you know, what do you tell me what you know about what this is? And I remember saying, you know, I came here thinking we were going to rule out spina bifida, but I think you're going to tell me Mm -hmm. what we didn't want to hear. And he just was really compassionate and helpful, but gave us, gave us our options, talked through the imaging or through the ultrasound. They felt like they, um, the spina bifida or mildest form of spina bifida is actually myelomeningocele, which is considered one of the most severe forms of spina bifida. There's lots of different types, um, but his are the nerves are exposed on the outside of his back. So his uh, spinal cord didn't fully develop when within the very first month, basically of conception. Um, so they said his spina bifida is myelomeningocele, they thought at L3, um, kind of talked through L3 impacts, like what area of the body and down, um, but gave us our options and said, um, you know, surgery is going to be required for Miles, whether they do it um, shortly after he's born. Um, they told us about a fetal surgery option, which is uh, surgery in utero. And at that time, I thought that sounded crazy and had no idea that was something that was even possible. Um, and then to give us our full option said, you know, he's not recommending this option, but just has to tell you that, you know, at 22 weeks in Iowa, you have the op by 22 weeks, you have the option to terminate your pregnancy. So um, yeah, we knew that wasn't going to be an option for us and chose fetal surgery. I'm so fascinated by it. I learned so much. So here we are July 21st and deciding, um, looking into fetal surgery options. The fetal surgery is not something that the University of Iowa could do. Um, So they mentioned at that very, at that ultrasound that they send a lot of their patients to Mayo um, with this diagnosis. Um, if a woman qualifies. So there's qualifications to even be able to have fetal surgery. So I think if I would have had, you know, just been generally unhealthy or had like previous C-sections or just problems with pregnancy, I wouldn't have been a candidate. BMI was another one. Um, But they said, you know, everything we can tell, you're likely a candidate for uh, fetal surgery. Um, An amniocentesis was a requirement to determine qualification for surgery as well. Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Real Moms of the NICU podcast. Don't forget to follow us on all of our social media platforms. It's the Real Mamas of the NICU on Instagram and search for the Real Mamas of the NICU podcast on Facebook.
Can you explain what spina, spina bifida is? Yeah. Yes. As, so, as best as you can. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm not a doctor, always super scientific with an with explanations, but spina bifida is a birth defect. So a, a neural tube defect. Um, again, his spinal cord didn't form correctly um, for whatever reason. There's um, when, as you know, again, shortly after conception. So spina bifida, um, I should just throw up Google to give you an actual good definition, but um, there's various forms of spina bifida. Um, sometimes maybe kids even, I've from what I've understood, have like lived without that diagnosis until later in life because mm -hmm. it really was all internal. So, um, but with Miles, his, as his spinal cord developed, the uh, nerves were outside of his body. So, and when you why. say outside of his body, you mean like through the skin yes. outside of his body? Okay. Yes. Through the skin outside of his body. So um, in some of the, I mean, I've seen pictures of what that looks like. It's truly a ball of basically nerves on the back of his, on his back. Um, like so in the some, like tailbone type, like where the end of, or does it, I guess you said his was like L3 or something like that. Yeah. So it can be yeah. in different spots potentially. Yes. Yeah, so it can be in different spots. You've got the thoracic lumbar. So the L is lumbar and then the S would be sacral. So mm. thinking about your spine, you've got, would it be cervical, thoracic, lumbar, sacral, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and then basically with spina bifida too, I mean, you're expecting, um, it's quite common to, uh, have like hydrocephalus because with the, so that's fluid on the brain. I was going to say, tell me what yeah. that is. Okay. Yep. So hydrocephalus is common with spina bifida because when you have the nerves like pulling on the brain, um, or outside of the back, it's really pulling on the brain. And they say Chiari malformation is basically what Miles, Miles had Chiari malformation. So one of the lemon signs, they say. So if this is, say, a woman that's listening to this, that's maybe had an uh, ultrasound, they may say lemon sign in the brain. So that lemon sign in the brain on the ultrasound is because of the nerves on the back pulling the brain into the spinal cord. So um, his, uh, and that's considered Chiari malformation. So when they do the surgery, regardless of before or after birth, releasing those nerves, again, not a doctor, not probably sounding <laughs> very medical, um, pulls the brain to pull back mm -hmm. into the brain versus pulling down into the spinal cord. Mm -hmm. So, um, and is this but, a genetic thing? And you said it was a, like a, um, or yeah, birth defect is what you said. Yeah. yeah. So yep. me, that means just the formation of cells or whatever it is in utero just didn't come yep. together. Right. It has nothing to do with genetics or anything like that. You know, I don't think so. They don't think so, but the neural tube just doesn't close all the way. So oh, okay. it doesn't form as it should. Okay. So um, damage to just the nerves 
Um, and the, I mean, under my understanding, so with Miles having his spina bifida, it was actually higher that we later found out. Um, you know, L2 should impact from his hips down um, as far as muscle, but um, muscle and nerve function. Mm -hmm. So um, your bowel and bladder function is like basically the last thing on the spinal cord. So in the sacral region. So that's why bowel and bladder problems can be um, common with kids with spina bifida. Um, but yeah, one of one of many things mm -hmm. that can take place. Okay. So <laughs> let's go back to, it was June 21st. July. Yep. July, July 21st. 21st. Okay. Yeah. Let's go back to that date. And um, so you have three options to terminate, yeah. which wasn't something you guys were going to consider. So really two options, which would be fetal surgery or surgery after he is born. Yep. Okay. And one of the benefits of fetal Did surgery. Question, Taylor? Oh, yeah. Oh, I think you're about to answer it. So go okay. ahead. Yeah. So one of the benefits of fetal surgery is that the sooner that you can get the spine and the nerves like repaired, the less damage that could happen. So to do fetal surgery, you have to have fetal surgery by week 26. Um, and there's a lot of studies. So there's a, it's called the mom study that studied, it's when they initially trialed this surgery option. Um showed improved outcomes with kids that had fetal surgery versus waiting for afterbirth. So our initial thinking was if this is an option and this has potential to help miles down the road, then we're going to do whatever we can. So we started looking into, into fetal surgery options, called Mayo, called another place in the Midwest. And then one of the other hospitals they talked about at the University of Iowa on our diagnosis day um, was CHOP, so Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and they really mentioned them as kind of being one of the few that uh, pioneered the fetal surgery. So we used, you know, their Google and their websites for a lot of our resources, but um, we called Mayo, um, Barnes Jewish in St. Louis, and then CHOP to talk about options because it was really up to us, even though we still had to have the results of the amniocentesis as well. But um, I'll just never forget, we called all of those places, talked through options, which there's a lot to consider when you still have two kids at home too. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, and just a lot of moving pieces of how that would look. But we also had a time crunch because we had to have this fetal surgery done by 26 weeks if it were to be an option. So I just remember in this room right now that I'm talking to you and calling CHOP, talking to them on speakerphone with Michael and um, just everything they said felt like they just clearly had done this more, were more experienced than anywhere else that we talked to, um, gave us the option that, you know, if things went well, we could potentially come home to our, to my kids to deliver in Iowa, which was really important to us to at least have that option. It wasn't the option at some of the others. So, um, but I remember, um, you know, we obviously had a lot of emotions through all of this, but it was definitely the most emotional I had ever seen Michael. And he just said, like, this is the best place. Like we have to go there if, 
if we can to give Miles the best chance because um, they didn't even, CHOP didn't even know of the programs at some of the places that we talked to. So I'm, I don't know, that just wasn't very comforting to me to consider potentially being one of many that they've mm -hmm. done this for or one of a few, which I think there's value in both, but we we wanted the best team that we could mm -hmm. possibly think about. So, and actually I should say there are a few different options with fetal surgery. So fetal, you can do open fetal surgery or fetoscopic fetal surgery. So um, open is when they like <clears throat> fully open the uterus, baby's back is like visible to the air as, as the surgery is taking place where uh, fetoscopic would be more laparoscopic, I guess. So um, it's one of the benefits to that is a woman could still have a vaginal delivery, um, but it's a bit newer, I guess. And um, some of the, one of the doctors at the University of Iowa said they weren't always, um, <laughs> I don't know, maybe I shouldn't share these things on on the public, but they just said they've seen, they've had to do a lot more repairs after a baby's born of the fetoscopic than they have open. And that's also one of the things we learned just through the open conversations about open fetal surgery was they can get a watertight closure of everything, all their closure on the back because it is open and visible to to them so um just felt to, uh, personally there's there's a lot of reasons that women i'm sure would pick any and any of the options available but um we just felt like we had to do the best that we could the best that what felt the best for us and it was definitely open fetal surgery at shop <laughs> so so what that a... means is <laughs> go first yeah. keep dropping your mic are you okay dropping my mic over here well I think I talked to you about this I, I asked you what a question one time I'm like okay how did they do this surgery without breaking the water sack because that's what happened to me right like my water yeah. sack broke and that's what started causing problems so yep. how does how does that work how do they pull this fetus out of your stomach and yeah. have surgery on the back of your baby and not break the fluid sac. Well, that's what that um I thought about you so much during all of this because they do open up the water. So um I mean or the the sack if you will. Uh they chop developed this special tool that keeps the um that keeps it open for the open surgery and whatever they use for their closure. Um, Cause I asked specifically about that. And I said, if you can do this for me and close it up, how come this can't be done for people like in your shoes where their water broke prematurely? And I mean, I think there's just the unexpectedness of that mm -hmm. is different than the rupture. Plan. Yeah. Yeah. The planned surgery, but they developed at chopped is what they told me a specific like device that helped keep that open and what they do when the baby is like so a couple things with me specifically is I had an anterior placenta so they had to actually like they said take the uterus like out so that they could operate 
on the back side and um, did the they they use lactated ringers to help like float the baby to the top and that kind of acts as the fluid that the amniotic fluid as you know um, so that's I mean it's there's some really amazing videos especially on CHOP's website that talk about it and there's a um, I know there's a um, documentary that they have on online as well um, but I still haven't actually developed mm -hmm. the courage to watch it I definitely wasn't ready when we were out there but um, yeah it's it's mind-blowing to me still that they can do something like this and just as we went through all the consults and stuff like that for surgery it was just really incredible to to learn more and just having you know a bit of a background in healthcare and um, anyway it was really really fascinating to me to to learn more about it even though I definitely didn't want to be going through it at the time so yeah Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Real Mamas of the NICU podcast. Don't forget to follow us on all of our social media platforms. It's the Real Mamas of the NICU on Instagram and search for the Real Mamas of the NICU podcast on Facebook.